What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Warren flashed it. Vader might have no, some, some words for him. <laughs> Rip this right, the, ban- the Band-Aid right <laughs> off. I think that's the best way to do this. Yeah, I don't know. We'll so see. I can see nothing going wrong here at all. But <laughs> I think is it my turn to do the intro since Bender did it last time, which yep. was which was great by the way. Got a lot of good feedback about that. There it is. Yeah, I think you are yeah. correct. You are you are up for it. Well, hey, welcome the Bro Chat here again for yet another round. It's fun uh, to have these conversations. I think people are enjoying them. I have a few listener questions that popped in from Patreon that I know they're like hearing your guys's opinion and your answers because you're smarter than me. But it's exciting today because we have Flash McVeigh joining us. So, Flash, this is not a setup at all. Can you tell us about yourself? I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to <laughs> do that. Yeah, it's not, not a setup. For, I was gonna, yeah, no, we're really serious. We really want you to tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been told that before as well. Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, until I get told to sit, until I get told to sit down, I'll go ahead. But uh, yeah, Flash Bay uh, out here at Hill Air Force Base, same squadron as Bender, uh, and the snakes out here. Um, background that nobody cares about: uh, Academy, UPT, Laughlin, uh, A10s. Uh, for a little while, that was going away. Vipers at Osan, then Shaw, um, and then uh, transitioned over to the F-35. Uh, was at Nellis for about three and a half years, and then separated last June, uh, which is where we are now, up at Hill. Boom. That might be the first time anyone's Boom. ever answered the tell me about yourself. So quite a, quite a career. Oh, it's dang, a- you, I knew it. <laughs> well, no one yelled at you, so you're fine. Uh, for those yeah. who are listening, usually when someone wants to tell you about yourself, uh, I would not recommend doing that at Fighter Squadron. But no, Flash has an awesome career. I mean, dude, the fact that like A-10s, Vipers, F-35, weapon school, weapon school instructor, it's pretty awesome. So it's cool to have you on here. And I don't know, I think we just kick it off. I wanted to kind of toss around some of the listener questions. So I had some Patreon supporters that reached out. I asked uh, if they have any questions. I told them Flash is going to be on here, obviously, with Vader and Bender. And people ask some questions. And I should say, actually, we need to circle back to our last bro chat. I had someone chime in from the B2 community because I might have said, you know, some make-believe things about the B2. But they don't have a lawn chair, apparently, which I thought they had a lawn chair in the back. They have an air mattress and a sleeping bag, which also sounds terrible for a 36-hour flight. And they get to choose if they want to put their nugget next to the pisser or the hot air vent. And they don't have to wear helmets the entire time either. There's certain altitude restrictions and things like that, but they can use Bose headsets in non-critical phases of flight. So there you go. I didn't know that about the B2. You guys 
don't know, Flash probably did, but the rest of us didn't. So that was clearing up uh, some admin from last time. So kicking off here with the first question, and we, we did talk about this a little bit in, in text, but uh, William Tunsell, he asked, this question is for all you guys. If you were starting your flying careers in 2022 and had the option of choosing your aircraft, would you guys choose a different aircraft to start your Air Force career? I'm an aspiring Air Force pilot through OTS, and if I were to choose, I'd go with the Mighty Viper and then later transition to the F-35. F-35 is amazing, and the Mighty Viper is just too great to pass up. So I think that's a perfect question for Flash, given his background. So, Flash, you have the talking stick. All right. Uh I think if I if I had to do it all if I had to do it all over again, like the the easy answer is to say I'd do it the exact same. Um, but really looking back on it, if I was starting now, it'd be the F thirty five. Personally, I just think that as far as the mission sets, I still see it as the in my favorite mission set. Uh, I got to do that in the Viper. Still get to do that in the F thirty five. So at the same time, if you're looking to do that mission set, then now you're kind of leapfrogging we're in that bridge between the f4 and the f16 we're now in that same transition period from the f16 to the f35 uh kind of on a technological advancement uh so if you had to choose when you look back on kind of the history of that of that would you have chosen to go fly the f4 or would you have chosen the f16 and so on this one i i would go with the f35 uh just based off the opportunities that it kind of gets you and the stuff that you get to do and the all the things that made me a really terrible F-16 pilot uh, kind of get hidden uh, a little <laughs> bit. Uh, so I would, if, if I was starting all over again, uh, knowing what I know now, of course, um, I would jump into the F-35. Uh, I'm already there, but uh, at the moment, but I, I would do that. I would start there. Flying the A-10 was super cool though. Uh, but as far as the things they're, they're trying to do, the, the work that they have to do uh, to, get themselves uh, into certain uh, arenas and into certain discussions. Uh, it's just not cool at the moment. So, Yeah, that's a good perspective. And then there's Vader who just completely went the opposite direction and regressed to the Eagle. So good job there, buddy. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would say the same thing as flashes. I mean, it all depends on where you want to be. You know, if you want to be a part of the fight and actually be in the conversations and in, in the real fights rather than just like a jasm truck and just going up and shooting some jasm and going home, like the 35 is a place to be. I'd say maybe the Raptor just because it seems like that'd be a sweet airplane to fly for a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. Bender, would you change anything? Uh, I'd fly the Viper first, just because everybody else said the F-35. So it is a more fun airplane <laughs> to fly. Uh, but the one thing that you do kind of have to take into account is, like, you ha- you have a pretty small window when you're a, like, a no-kidding combat, like, line fighter pilot. You know what I mean? So y- you maybe get six good years of, you know, being in the fight, and then, unless you're Flash, and then you could probably do it for, you know, 30 years. But guys like me, like we're, I'll be like top three maybe for the first week of any big fight if I'm, <laughs> if they even bring me at all. Um, so yeah, I, you might not want to. I don't know. I'd still I, the Viper's awesome. So and you learn so much by not having all the sensors and all the SA that like the F thirty five has. So I think I mean it'd be really fun. I think you learn to be a maybe a better pilot as a baseline. 
and then I'd get into the F-35 because you're right. That's where the fight's going to be. Not that you necessarily want to be on the leading edge of whatever fight happens next. Uh, we could maybe talk about that later. <laughs> but you at least want to be in like the fourth or fifth wave. I'm, you let, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to find my, my night two sweet spot. <laughs> like that that's gonna be my that's what i'm shooting for i don't want to be i don't want to be the leading edge i'll take that top three on the first night or in the mpc uh and then that yeah. night two sweet spot that's where i want to live yeah you can go let someone else be a hero and you know it's good to learn from others i think smart that's sage that's sage wisdom right there yeah and it, it makes total sense because we all know how red flags go the first day it's always like some you know oca or some sweep and then the day two and three it's like some personnel rescue vault and you're like i know exactly how these people ended up on the ground you know they were they kicked down the door <laughs> yeah you don't always want to be first also i, I don't know if being second actually might is, might be the smart thing either because the the card's been shown but another discussion I think this leads into there are a lot of like seed F thirty five questions. So this is the perfect group for it. Another question is how can the F thirty five do the wild weasel mission, the F sixteen CJ, which C M now, but does it so well? So Flash, can you allude to that of maybe why the F thirty five is is the future? The it's it's interesting. Like I this conversation happens all the time. Like you wear the weasel patch and all this different stuff and the, in the history behind it and the sacredness, if that's even a word of the mission is still there. And I, I abide by that wholeheartedly. Uh, and I'm very, very protective of people who choose, who are get, who get to wear that patch. And I'm very selective of people who should get to wear that patch, uh, because of the history. But when you look at it is, Weaseling to me is not necessarily shooting rockets and guns at Sam's and killing them and getting shot at purposefully so people don't get shot at anymore uh, because that's not the game anymore. That was the game uh, back in Vietnam when it was against S-75s, also known as SA-2s and stuff and stuff like that. But when you're looking at some of the threat systems now is the same things that they were doing back then in the 60s and early 70s is what we're doing now. It's just different. And so the F-35, like when you look at some of the threat systems that you have and the technological advances that other threat countries have made is those guys back then were just getting inside of the, the, the kill chain or the kill web, if you will, and the thought process of the people that are trying to shoot them down. We're doing the exact same thing. However, instead of just one dude turning hand cranks inside of an SA-2, it's now a dude operating the data link and the battle management nodes and all these different things. And you're using multi multiple different domains to do the to do it. Um, and now when you're looking at it, it's more of a uh, a more of a thinking humans ball game. Uh, versus just like the straight up, you can out athlete the other team. Um, and so like, that's kind of the weaseling that it, it happens in 2022 and beyond. Um, and th why the F-35 is, can do that so well is because you can somewhat uh, negate and degrade a certain component of an IADS uh, just by being low observable and stealth. Uh, not all of it, obviously. Uh, but as far as like the humans that are doing the weasel mission, and they're just the people that are supposed to be the most knowledgeable on how to dissect an IADS. And that's what people are doing. And, that, and what we're doing is we are teaching F-35 pilots to do that, to integrate space, integrate cyber, integrate airborne and ground-based uh, 
degraders of an IADS uh, and things of that nature. And they're just teaching F-35s to be the master integrators of that, which they were teaching F-16 guys to do that. And they still are. Um, but as far as like the future going in for the F-35 taking over the mantle of the weasel mission, uh, it's the same thing that those guys did back in the day. And then the Viper did. And then it is now it's just as the technological advances of the threat countries uh, progress, so does our capabilities and the uh, and the ability to negate those and potentially mitigate some of those factors. And the F-35 is just the next step. That's all it is. Um, it's not any better than the guys who fly the F-16 uh, or they were uh, at what they did because they were amazing at it and are amazing at it. Uh, but it's just the next step. Uh, and you just have to kind of pick up that mantle and run and you don't get a choice uh, as you are in the F-35 now uh, on whether you want to weasel or not. And that's my two cents on it. Which, for those listening don't know Flash, like his two cents really count a lot. And while he was very hesitant about his, tell I me about guys, himself. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you have a little bit of seed experience. And I know you were, again, hesitant to to lead in with that because we set you up. We put, there's, it's a lot, it's a minefield when we're saying, hey, tell me about yourself. But Flash was a, a Viper Seed dude, weapon school instructor, taught a weapon school. Now he flies F-35, so there's, there's someone who's qualified, I think, to speak on it. I want to jump to Bender real quick, and then we can just, then we can just go from here. But the, uh, the question, next question, it, it, again, ties to seed. People want to know, does, is there culture differences between different seed units? And specifically, like Masao and Spain, do those differ from, those differ from Shaw? Does the loss of an EWO and the CJ have uh, in-depth training provided for the wise, uh, Viper uh, wild weasel units and the RF spectrum and EW. So I think they're like going from an F4 to a Viper single seat. Was there any degradation? You came from Masawa. You went to Shaw Bender. Was there any differences between the two? Invader saying Masawa to McIntyre doing seat. Did you see any differences? Uh, I think as like the baseline culture of weasel squadrons, I think is pretty similar. I, I don't know. You guys could probably yeah. chip in. But no, there. I think the attitude and the like. Pat or uh, Flash was saying with the, you earn the weasel patch. So there's a lot of, a lot of culture that's taught to you, I guess, as a young weasel wingman. And so that kind of continued between the Panthers and Masawa, and also the Gamblers when I went to Shaw. But the mission sets are a little different. So Masawa was a a pack af seed squadron. So we trained a lot for a Korea scenario or potential China scenario. We did overwater type training for um, Chinese destroyers, stuff like that. At Shaw, we, we focused more, I guess, a wider band. So we did a lot of uh, Iran-type stuff. Um, so I guess the, the threat scenarios are a little bit different. The training's a little bit different, but the underlying culture is pretty similar. I will say that there are a lot of traditions that PACAF had that were a lot of fun. Uh, and when I came to the Gamblers, I expected them to be there. <laughs> And they were not, and that got me into some trouble uh, a couple of times, like on day two. So, so there's a lot of fun well, things. So, Every squadron has, you know, their own little personality. You shouldn't have left that sandwich sitting out there. That's all yeah. I can say. Yeah, protect your freaking sandwich. That's self-critiquing. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think uh, for anybody who hasn't been a part of it, sandwich punch is a wonderful pastime, <laughs> and you should uh, you should bring it into any business that you work in. Uh, but yeah, I I got the very opportunity. professional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got the opportunity, you know, obviously out of Misawa, which if anybody who's only listening, Bender and I have our uh, 13th fighter squadron uh, weasel and shirts on and uh, which funny story yeah. about that. But uh, but yeah, so we'll I went to, to McIntyre. 
Yeah, the biggest the biggest difference <laughs> I found in McIntyre was uh, because I was in the guard, your wingman wouldn't listen to you uh, because turns out they're like a 4,000-hour lieutenant colonel. So my first sortie is number three in a seed uh, fight in uh, Bulldog airspace. And I just see my number four like peel off back into the target area as we're leaving. So I'm like, holy cow. So I'm like, Max AB, turn around the corner. And then he's now turning back towards me and he's like, hey, three, turn around, we're good. And uh, I was like, okay. He just like kind of hubcaps himself on purpose just cause he's like, oh, I'm gonna go slay by myself. And I was like, all right. So yeah, it's uh, each squadron has their own thing, but I, uh, I think it's good because I think the biggest difference isn't between seed squadrons. It's probably like block 40 and block 50 squadrons uh, around the world. Then I think one thing that kind of talking back to what Flash and uh, Bender were talking about for the 35 is the 35 is riddled with a ton of seed experience. I mean, they have guys like Flash and Baller and Nike and Bender and Mega. And these guys are a ton of super smart seed guys who are now experienced F-35 guys and patches and black border patches, which a black border patch like uh, Flash is, is a weapon school instructor. So the instructor who teaches the guys to become weapons officers. So there's a ton of F-16 seed experience that is, I assume, and Flash, correct me if I'm wrong, is shaping, has shaped and is continuing to shape the way the F-35 does seed. I don't know why Flash didn't yeah, mention no, that I, in the opening. We gave him the, the ability to mention that black border patch. Oh yeah, so. no, that's, uh, this is true. Uh, <laughs> but it's like... Like Vader's saying and Bender's saying, I, I I echo all of that. Uh, I can also tell you, uh, since Bender brought it, or Vader brought it up, is uh, um, when a Block 40 squadron tries to become a Block 50 squadron. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, Vader Vader might have been in a couple roll calls with me when that was occurring. Uh, but uh, that, that was an interesting cultural development uh, out there at Osan uh, for trying to, be a we- trying to be a weasel squadron without kind of uh, earning your stripes is, uh, as some would say, uh, but the, the culture stuff is you guys were spot on. Uh, everyone's kind of, kind of echoing the same or following the same traditions and same paths other than sandwich punch, which should absolutely be part of every business. Um, but everything was pretty similar. It was just kind of regional. So like Masawa is focused on that region. Spang obviously focused on the route region and Shaw was just like, we we're going to backfill everybody. And so it was a little bit of a uh, little bit of that and what are you focused on, but all the cultural stuff was the same, which was really cool because you could go anywhere and like play weasel games and do all these different stuff and talk the same language. It was super cool. Boom. So like Bender, you really want us to like take some time and talk to Flashboard. I feel like we're rolling here. I got two more questions if you guys will entertain it. One I think is a softball, so it's fair game, but it's straight up air to air fight between a current Viper and F-35, both with AIM-9Xs, with Hemix or some kind of helmet, guns. Uh, let's see, guns, the pilot's roughly equal skill set. Is the fight a foregone conclusion? So, who? Bender What's or the, Flash? I mean, a lot, Bender, a lot Bender, of Viper. Bender, you, Bender, you got it. <laughs> well, so I said AIM-9, so do I have AMRAMs also? Is that part of the assumption? Uh, no, so you can't use any like the special stealth stuff that oh, well. uh, Bad Enemy brings to fight, like kill them a hundred miles away. So, so yeah, you, you, mer- yeah. you merge, you merge, you merge. What's going to happen? In a, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but for the listeners, 
Well, if I if I do it right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so visual merge, we'll say that. So within five miles, that's where the fight starts. I'm taking a Viper, probably. Uh, definitely. The only part of that fight where the Viper is kind of like maybe not ideal is a low-speed, high AOA type situation. We're trying to get the nose around. Um, F-35 is really fun to fly in that regime specifically because you can you can go to 50 AOA and, and like rip the nose. You do, yeah, you can pedal turn. If you are watching the video, you can see Flash <laughs> moving his hands. Um, so there's cool stuff you can do close aboard at kind of slower air speeds in F-35. But uh, it's not a, like prior to getting to that point, the F-16 gonna, is going to win that fight. All right, last question. I think this this tees up for the rest of the episode of just wherever we want to go. But general discussion, fighter force structure, which there's a few things we can talk about the fighter force structure. I know there's opinions in the room here. The next big war, maybe Taiwan, 30,000-foot view. Let's talk jammers, weasels, air superiority, BVR, visual engagements, uh, CSAR. What's the next fight? What does that look like? Near-peer adversaries, so on and so forth. You guys are much smarter than me, so go. High level. I don't know we'll if it's, like it's, I don't know if it's uh, yeah, very high 70, level. Uh, I don't know 70, if 70,000 foot view. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. That's where the classified stuff starts. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but the the uh, first off, the the smarter uh, may or may not be true. But I I have a little bit of a different view. Like I've I've gotten the opportunities to kind of brief uh, some of these plans and be as be a part of some of these mission plans and O plans, if you will, operational plans. Uh, I'm always skeptical of planning for something that I know would be geopolitically catastrophic for the world. And so when I like, what does the next fight look like? I think it is going to be as limited as humanly possible to have a tomorrow uh, is probably what it's going to look like more than likely. But if we go with what a lot of people think and what you have to plan for of all out, like full scale conflict and war, it is going to be human loss of life of which we have never experienced ever. And it's just going to, it, and it's going to be terrible. And the thing about it is just like, when you look at <laughs> Paint a this nice rosy picture for you guys. This is fun. Uh, All right, it's a great it, night, guys. We'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but well, I'm smiling about it. But it's just like that's my thing. It's just like nobody wants yeah. that. Like nobody does. Uh, that's not good for anybody. Um, but so it's like a little bit of the as far as like how this whole thing is going to work. I do think that in the event that you could do it to be as limited as possible to make it have a tomorrow non-lethal fires are going to be a huge thing. So we're talking jamming and things done, not in this, not in the air domain and things and things like on the ground that don't have any human interaction or human touch uh, associated with it. I think it's going to be a different kind of warfare than we've ever seen, which can have um, the same type of effects on a country because it's so interconnected these days. Um, but as far as like the air war, uh, it's going to look like a lot of other air wars because everything is uh, to the point where if everything is low observable, then no one sees anybody and everyone then becomes visual. And then you're back in world war two with 80 airplanes all in the piece of sky. 
that are doing stuff. Uh, and it might actually look a lot more like 1945 or than it did like 1991 and 1998, 99. Uh, so like, that's the kind of stuff that I think it's going to look like, uh, personally, but in all reality, I think the next fight, uh, is going to look very different based on the geopolitical connect connectivity between all threat countries involved, if you will. That's my take on it. It's pretty smart. Yeah. I, I defer to Flash. Yeah. That was way more intelligent of an answer than I was going to give. <laughs> yeah, it's that's it. Okay, well, super depressing, so, but yeah. Guess what? Yeah. Guess what? We're going to shoot stuff, too. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So it's going to blow up. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're back. We're yeah. back at it. So Yeah, no, that's, that's all, all I had. So there. Yeah, well, I have, I have one thing. So uh, a question for Flash that I'll just uh, real-time throw this out there. So... A-10s to the F-16, quickly to weapons school, to then leave weapons school and then go back and say, hey, I'm going to become an F-35, not just pilot, but weapons school instructor, unless I'm misunderstanding your timeline, but you were pretty quickly directly to the 6th at Nellis. I mean, how was it? I just assume you're a glutton for punishment. Like, how was that transition and flow? Yeah, uh, if you've ever how you uh, interact with your significant other and uh, spouse when you're in an upgrade, uh, just go through a eight year upgrade. And then that will be about how life goes. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as the, as far as the stuff that the A-10 to the A-10 to F-16 was not a choice. Uh, like that was a, like that was the, me being pulled in the commander's office when I was a Lieutenant with another Lieutenant uh, being told that there are no A-10 assignments anymore ever uh would you like to go fly something else and we're going to paper call you to four ships so you can go fly for iff and i was like that was what was presented initially uh and like i was told verbally i was going to laughlin to teach upt and uh and hopefully teach iff uh which would have been fine uh, but like then a couple weeks later a viper tx happened and that that whole thing i always wanted to go to weapon school that was the thing uh so i played the timeline in Osan to stay there for three years uh, with that in mind uh, to go there right from Osan because I it just was going to time out. Uh, and if at a later time we can talk about timelines so weapon school, no one actually cares. Uh, but then like did like did that stuff. And then, yeah, the other one uh, was I didn't want out of the Viper community. I just wanted out of uh, a certain location. Uh, <laughs> and like, and so Strange. I volunteered. I was just like, I was like, hey, I, me and my family got to get out of here. I was like, I volunteered to go back to, I knew I was going back to Nellis. I was always going back to Nellis, no matter what, after shot. Um, and so they were just like, well, we can get you out of here now, but we can't get you into the Viper. Would you accept doing a TX into the F-35 and then just going right to Nellis and, and being an instructor in the 6th? I was like, well, that sounds awesome. Uh, I was like, I would love to do that. Uh, what you don't realize when you're making that decision in the room is that you're going to go through weapon school again. Uh, kinda. It's like a, it's a, a gentlemanly version and like you're sitting around and all this stuff. And then I was just a bad instructor for the first about, uh, I would say nine months to a year I was there. 
Um, still just learning how to do things. I knew how to do the seed stuff so I could conceptually talk with guys and around a whiteboard and like around like a map and an IADS diagram and a mission planning table. I was, I was serviceable, uh, but like flying the airplane, not so much, but as far as like the glutton for punishment. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like, uh, I don't like standing still, uh, like this kind of gets out in front of me to the point where I don't even really know what I'm talking about most times. Uh, and I like that as well as like far as the uh, transitions that I've had. Uh, so it's kind of, it's been mentally stimulating the entire time, which is what I enjoy. Uh, but as far as like the work involved, yeah, that really sucked actually. <laughs> <laughs> your whole, yeah, your whole active duty time was just an upgrade. That's facts. That's facts. Uh, with the, with the, with the deployment. And then the last year, year or so I was in Nellis. And now I'm not an upgrade anymore, which is great. <laughs> yeah. It's like what the rest of the world experiences, you know, like, Oh, this is actually kind of nice. It's <laughs> a good question. No Vader. He just quit. So, Oh man, we got, out. we got to get Vader back. Yeah, we have his uh, deep radio voice. That's what we need. Yeah. Very soothing. The first podcast, this is an aside until he comes back. The first podcast demo he did uh, he like saying, he's like, Hey, check this out. Like, let me know what it sounds like. And it was like elevator, like porno music. <laughs> it was like super like low husky voice. Like, I hope you guys are enjoying That's this awesome. show. <laughs> like you can't talk like that. <laughs> Don't awesome. talk like that. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. He says it's like a, such a so- soothing voice, you know, like it's, it's the deep night or late night DJ voice. Yeah. Vader. That's probably how I got his call sign. We'll just make that up until he gets back. You were probably at his naming. I was, yeah. We got named on the same night, yeah. So oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, I think he he got to the squadron like three weeks before me. So he was named first. I was named second. And then yeah, in the Panthers, the youngest guy to get named to get named gets their the name embroidered on this super ratty old like shirt that they have had for who knows how long. So Probably from the, I don't know, how old was that shirt at Misawa, Vader? The yellow? Probably I from have the no idea. 70, I don't know. It was old. Um, yeah. But it's cool because it has like all these embroidered call signs from, you know, decades of fighter pilots getting named. So it was pretty cool. It was a cool naming night. That's legit. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I had connectivity issues. Bender, did you talk about uh, how our weasel, wild weasel shirts got uh, mixed up? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, hey Bender, you want to show your uh, left shoulder on uh, your wild yeah. where weaseling shirt? Mine's pretty. Yeah, so pretty chill. for uh, I can't see that, but uh, for for all the audio only people, I believe if memory serves, Bender, you just have a harm sitting there, correct? <laughs> yeah, it's just a harm. Yep. Yeah, so I've got uh, as you can see on mine, it's a, a harm with a, uh, a lady on there. Uh, happens to be blonde. So uh, my wife is a brunette. His wife Benders is a blonde, and so we both go in there uh, in rapid succession and order our shirts, and uh, they mix us up. So they get our names and uh, on the wrong shirt because they're identical shirts. So I have a blonde girl on my shirt, and then Bender, like a day later, is like, hey skip the girl. I just want the harm. So then our shirts come back and I have a blonde and my wife's like, what's the deal? You just got a blonde girl on yours. I was like, no, see what had happened was. And, uh, so that's what <laughs> some explaining. So thank you, Bender. Yeah. I always causing problems. Yep. That's pretty funny. 
Uh, now that we do, we did make fun of your voice, Vader, or your radio voice, but it's it's getting yes. That's I literally talk about it's not it's not a conscious decision. It's very it's very soothing. And I think this counts. <laughs> we can leave that part in the podcast because we we talked about you behind your back while you were gone. So yeah. now we're being forthright with you. We don't have to edit that Absolutely. part out. Absolutely. That's people, people and people who are yeah. and people who are audio only are in fact missing out on the glorious stash that you have. Hey, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. It's uh I most most days when I go through the base, they're like, holy cow. Because it's uh it may be out of regulations, but I don't even know what the regulations are. So yeah. does the does the guard have regulations? I'm not sure. I you know, just don't read the regulations. You don't want to know. You know, it works out pretty well for me. Um, so the uh, so one thing well, you, went, not a, to, not, you went guard okay. guard to guard. No, so I, was, I mean, I guess you, I was thinking you went guard unit to guard unit, but you actually didn't. You did have a Holloman stop. I digress. Go yeah. your 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 point's probably much more entertaining than mine. Oh yeah, well, so we've we've talked previously on one of the bro chats, I believe, was uh, was the time at Nellis when uh we were all flying f-16s back in the day and uh flash was in the other formation and i told the whole story how my wingman lost all of his navigation lost everything and i rejoin on him and we're co-altitude with another uh formation of f-16s and flash was number one for that formation so uh i i've kind of shared a flash for for your essay i've shared the harrowing story of of that but go ahead and if you want to go ahead and kind of provide your uh perspective and then more specifically kind of that debrief because i thought the debrief was uh it started out being a complete foul until you and link kind of stepped in yeah i i got a te- i got a text message from some guys that says hey hey man uh you got name dropped uh in a podcast and i was like oh i was like i'd listened to rain uh rain's podcast a couple times and i was like oh i'll listen to this one he's like see what uh but yes that is the single most ridiculous flying story i have ever heard and i just so happen to have also been a part of it uh but like you you nailed the whole story we're pushing in vol charlie and all of a sudden i just see two airplanes that are going the wrong way it's like just one way street coming this way. And I was like, Oh no. And me and my uh, wingman, I'm like, I don't know what's happening, whatever. But I see one guy on the link and then just a radar track next to you, uh, which was Kanga. And I'm like bottom of the block now. And just like, we were about to push. And I just like went like 90 and I just like look up and I see two silhouettes because we're in the weather. I see two silhouettes of two F-16s go over the top of me. It turns out it was an 800-foot pass because uh, we were at the bottom of the block and you were at the top of a 1,000-foot block, and y'all went home. Uh, then we pushed, and we fought, and I think we died and lost in wholesale, uh, probably because I planned it. And it was like, but, the, uh, <laughs> but then Link met me at the door when I had, my, I had my flight gear still on, and Link met me at the door of the Red Flag building, like – I was like, what's up, dude? And he's like, so did you ever get the knock it off past? And I was like, yeah, at the end of the fight. Yeah, I got it. And he was like, no, the the first one. <laughs> I was like, there was a, so there was two. I was like, oh, there were two. And uh, usually there's one. And, uh, but yeah, there are two on this day. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. And then like, we, we started asking questions like in tape review 
And then we went to MIG-1, and we went to the mission commander, and we then went to the red flag commander who tossed out the poker chips like an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, if he's listening, I don't care. <laughs> it's Facts. Like, but it was like, but we were just like, hey, so what are we going to do about this? And it was like, well, we'll save it to the end. And Link was just like, we're not going to save it till the end. But then we got trumped because it was rather an important red flag, uh, if you remember that one, uh, what they were trying to accomplish. And, yeah, it was to the point where they were like, uh, they cleared red off. And Link, me and him had talked about what we were going to do. Like, we were just like, hey, we're just going to let this one ride and, like, see if people do the right thing and not just, like, jump in at the start because no one likes that guy. Um lost Vader, but it's, it's all good. Yeah. The, uh, he was there. He was here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was here. But like we, we said, we were just like, Hey, no one likes that guy that just jumps in at the start and just like takes it. It's like, let the people who are supposed to take accountability for this, take accountability. They didn't. Uh, and so when, when they cleared red off, Link just stood up and just goes, sit down. And he's like, no one is leaving this room until we find out who said, knock it off. And who said negative? And we're like, well, we know who said knock it off. It's that guy. It's Kanga right there in the back. I was like, so we got one. Let's find out number two. And we had the 06 stand up and tell us to uh, talk to him afterwards, and we would uh, discuss it. But it was never discussed in the entire room. And it was the the biggest ever. And it was like the biggest foul of all time. And it was never discussed. And the only time it was discussed was the poker chip that Vader talked about last week about don't let your wingman's knock it off get messed up. And it was to the point, and that was to the point where Tito in the red flag window, instead of taking a left up the Sally, took a right to Columbia. <laughs> and it was awesome. And it was like everyone knew it because uh we also had to talk some lieutenants out of doing some stuff that night. And uh <laughs> but it was it was a it was a wild time. It was a wild time to be alive, man. But it was a it was an interesting thing to the point where we were begging people and to take accountability in a fighter pilot debrief and it just didn't happen. And so then two days later we got pulled off the flying schedule and uh, they actually didn't, they ended up doing an investigation. Really? Uh, so they, so like the vice commander of red flag pulled me and link into a room um, and we talked about it and I guess they ended up doing some stuff to the person who said negative, uh, which I mean, I don't care about, I don't want people to be punished. I just want people to say that this was messed up. Uh, but there yeah. was an investigation that happened after. But overall, like, Vader, you told the story perfect. Uh, Link meeting me at the door was hilarious. Them doing the poker chip was hilarious. Telling Red to sit down, we're not leaving the room until we go over this was hilarious. Now now that we didn't run into yeah, you. that was my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> right. Sit down, we're not done. Yeah, the, my favorite part, too, was not hitting another F-16. Yeah, that's true. That was my favorite part. <laughs> Second favorite was, yeah. <laughs> But anyways, that well, that was the red flag commander that said, like, basically skip it. Talk to us afterwards. Right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Yes. That that was totally, and so for those listening, telling it's important knows like there's a permanent party. So you know a team that runs Red Flag as all these units come into to Vegas and they do this, but usually there is a oh. I mean there is a host wing. So one of these units that are participating sends like an O six, whether it be a group commander, vice wing commander, or the wing commander that is also there. I'm trying like there's usually I mean there's a, a vi- there's usually two O sixes and a you know morning guy or day guy and a night guy. I'm surprised like they didn't chime in. I felt like if whenever we were the host wing, had that been like ROG or whatever here and that like would have jumped into that fight. So I'm kind of surprised that didn't happen. It's amazing. If no I one remember, died. If I, yeah, well, yeah. If I remember correctly, I think the, that one got repurposed uh, for things that were happening in the spring of 18. Um, and the, which is why it was yeah. a little bit weird. The air, the warfare center commander, the two star was like the guy uh, who was like supposedly running the whole red flag. So there was no lead wing for that one. Um, but the two star just wasn't in the room. So like the red flag commander was like the guy for all the bulls who reported back to the two star. And it was just, uh, gotcha. it was just an interesting time. And then like just a, a super random training thing occurs to where we need to talk about this. And like, we're too worried about prepping for combat to talk about training. <laughs> Dude. Ah man, it's so like, good you were in that four ship leading it. Like had it been me with my radar mech, like we would have been pretty definitely. pretty hosed in com- we would have been pretty hosed in combat if we'd been down four vipers who hit each other as well. No joke. Man, that's cr- it is crazy when Vader told that story, man. Again, it's good that you were leading it. It had it been me, I'd have run a bunch of jets into one another, you know, just fat, dumb, and happy. So good for you. I was just scared. I was just scared. I was just like, they're coming right for us. And <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. This makes sense. This is crazy right now. Dude. Yeah, there spicy. was literally supposed to be nobody pointing pointing east at that time. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody pointing east for like a five minute gap window was the was the game plan. And it was like, yeah. I see two people pointing east. I'm like, that's not that's not good. Yeah, the game plan's falling apart here. Something's not going right. Man, spicy. That's much more interesting than anything I got. What do you guys think about this whole uh, KC-46? I know we talked about it a few times, but you see the latest, that it's not going to be able to refuel the A-10, which I think is it's a it's a sly way of getting rid of the A-10, in my opinion, like pro-move Air Force. That's I mean, yeah, do it. yeah, it's That's like, well, can't get it. ass. <laughs> it's like, well, sorry, you're out. <laughs> it just boggles my mind KC- that it's just like, it's like, hey, this is a problem, and we're going to give you, fi- we're going to give you more money to fix it. And I understand that they're like they're paying they're they're footing the bill for a few billion of like the cost. I get that, but that's just the I don't know. I have my brother was the OSS commander at McConnell uh, when they were betting down the KC forty six, and he was just like, "Dude, my by the way, my views are not uh, the views of the United States Air Force, uh, but yeah. like it was just a disaster. <laughs> that whole program is an absolute disaster." <laughs> right. Well, none of this represents the views of the Air Force nor the DOD, as I should mention. It's also on my website. But, dude, it's, I mean, to me, it's mind boggling. A 767 has been around forever. It's been a commercial tanker. And while there are some slight differences, someone's going to chime in. There's a lot of differences. Like, this is off the shelf technology. And here we are 20 plus years later, and this sucker is like barely given gas. Yeah, shenanigans. And the A10, it's out. Sorry. It's again pro move to get rid of the A ten. It's out. Oh well. Yeah, booms in front, booms in front of your face. It's completely 
unknowable how to fix it. <laughs> yeah, how does it's it, impossible. How does it work that they can just not build the product to spec and then by their own design? And then they're like, yeah, it's going to cost you more money to get the product that you've already paid for. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Because I would think, I haven't seen the contract, right? But it would be like, must be able to refuel F-16, A-10, F-50. Like, you would think that would be kind of it. And then also, if you were designing it too, like, hey, oh, by the way, do you guys want to refuel the A-10? You didn't leave that, you didn't put that in the contract, you know, like, but I feel like that's in there. I don't know. I I enjoyed the, uh, for those, that the article that you sent out, they used uh to read which was awesome i really enjoyed the pa representative that said it's the a10's fault that it can't generate enough thrust <laughs> to overcome the stiff boom problem i was like come on, come on <laughs> I, was like, okay. I was like come on now i was like you're sitting here uh talking about you're being asked why the kc46 we're spending more money to fix the problems that were supposed to be fixed about 10 years ago and then you're just like yeah I had a feeling that it was like in their notebook, they like flip, they just like have slides of what to do when they uh, have to go back to their circle. And it's just like, I think one of those slides is blame it on the hog. <laughs> and like, yes. it's, it's like, we don't have enough money. It's because of the A10. It's because the A10 can't fly fast enough. And you're like, I, but I think that's what she was kind of going for was uh, her meme pages. Yeah. Speaking of memes, yeah. memes, out there. Yeah, memes out there. I'm surprised they got the airplane right. Uh, I I would assume it'd be like, oh, the frog foot mm. can't make it happen. You know, something random. <laughs> but. It, you know, I share that stuff like any. T- I mean, not every time, but like, there's some. There's so egregious blunders by public affairs. And if I guess people who listen haven't seen it, like, just go follow the Air Force. The latest thing I shared was. Uh, recruiting was sharing a picture about the Raptor and it's an F-35 in the turn. And you're just like, there's only like five fighters you got to be able to identify and like, it's super easy. I will say the Russians have done a phenomenal job on their PSYOPs campaign with just pumping Google ads for any time you search for Viper or F-15, it pulls up a flanker. Because I think that's what our public affairs, they do. Like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to Google it. And then, boom, a flanker pulls up, and the Russians have labeled it an F-15. And so they share it without asking anyone, every time. Which is why we have retention problems for fighter pilots. That's it. <laughs> They're winning. Flash, you wrote, a, you wrote an article about that whole... Uh, I'd say it alludes to some of the retention type related issues. That'd be a good thing to talk about. The War on the Rocks article you wrote. Again, you're very that was smart. A, that was a, very that was wise. A beautiful segue. That was a beautiful segue, yeah. Bender. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, yeah. Uh, tee it up. <laughs> I did, man. Uh, I didn't. I didn't write. Start uh, writing that stuff. And I don't know who's read. It. I think like all 20 people who have read it. Um, but like the, I didn't end up writing. I didn't start writing it with the intent like writing stuff down with the intent to like get published. Um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, actually a bar conversation. It was like, Hey, if you're writing this stuff down, like, I think it'd be cool to send that to somebody, uh, and maybe have that discussion. Um, but yeah, I was, the reason that I was looking at it was I didn't really know how to process. Uh, cause again, like we're, 
going through our decision on whether to stay in the Air, active duty Air Force or get out or like what we wanted to do right around that decision making time, go to school, um, take a take an assignment, like what, what do we want to do? Um, and there's all these all these different considerations. And then it was also like COVID times, which was, um, which made things easier, of course. But, uh, but what I noticed was all the dudes in the sixth, like, and all the dudes that I talked to, like over in the Viper, uh, wick and the hog wick and like all the other guys that I talked to were literally asking the same questions of themselves. And I was like, okay, why is it that there is, I like to be a data oriented person because if I don't, then I'm just going to like go off on random tangents. But like the, I was like, why is it that literally everyone is at the, I mean, yeah, it's decision-making time, but why is this decision-making time for the air force? And then why is everyone having the same exact considerations and no one else is really talking about it where it's like, Oh, well, we'll just take away additional duties. That'll fix it. And it's like, or we'll up the, uh, labor contract. That's not a bonus. Um, like five grand, uh, we'll up that and that'll take care of it. And you're just like, no, actually the number is going this way instead of that way. Um, and so I started kind of like doing some research, uh, not air force related research and noticed that you could look at it. You could look at trends in demographic data for society that you could just stack on top of an air force career. Uh, and now you would sit there and just be like, Oh, that's why. And so that was kind of the impetus of the article. And I haven't gotten off my, uh, kind of lazy, butt uh, to write part two, uh, I have a draft because it, there's a part in the article that says like more to come on the solutions to this problem. <laughs> I was like, I've just been a problem guy, no solutions for the last like, uh, <laughs> 10 months. Um, there's been some stuff. Problems guy. Not, yeah. Nothing happened right around that time of uh, anything uh, getting uh, when that article is being published in my life. But the, uh, the thing about it is it's like, I just wanted people to kind of look at it and say, okay, in 2022, the 1970s model of personnel management does not work because not because of air force related variables, because of, societal and social and demographic variables. It's like the, the rise in the increase in age in which a male has their first kid. It's like kids are, people are having kids later in life, which means that when you're in that time from year, 10 years after pilot training graduation, which is generally 11 and a half to 12 years of your Air Force career, to 24 years, which is when you can generally retire as an 06 and get all the money that you earn um, three years time in service, that 12 to 24 years, you're going to move a minimum of five to seven times based on going to school, whatever career uh, jobs that they're moving. Like that's just the way it is. And so if at that 12 year point, your kid is four now, instead of, instead of like 10, like in nineteen seven, in the seventies, those kids were out of the house at that twenty to twenty-four year point. Those kids are now entering high school at the twenty to twenty-four year point, and so you're right. making these decisions based on your family, and you're just being like, "Okay, do I want to move? Do I want to send my kid to three high schools like my dad did? Like my my brother went to three high schools. My dad made the decision to retire, so I didn't have to do it." Uh, but he was a product of 1977 Air Force Academy graduate and like all this different stuff. And so I looked at his career and life 
and I looked at my career and life, realized they were fundamentally different, stacked that with like some Stanford and Pew researches and things like that. And it was just like, this is kind of dumb. And yeah. I think it's like right in our face of why, of why this occurs. And so basically dudes are just like, Hey man, I'm just not going to send my kid to, to five to seven schools in like during puberty. Yeah. And it's like, that's, and that's really what it is. And you look at it and you say, okay, well, these guys aren't committed to the cause of staying in for 24, 24 years. And that's also wrong. Uh, cause every single one of them will sit there and it's like, no, I still want to fly fighters. I just want to do it in Salt Lake, Utah for the rest of my life. And, uh, yeah. send my kid to the same school. So that was the, that was the impetus of the article was kind of like get my thoughts and like the thoughts of everybody else that was talking to me, get it down on a paper, figure out like where it was coming from. And then all this data just started coming in and then guys were in the bar been like, well, this is why I did it. And have you seen this? Like, like these curves and things of that nature. And then sitting with my commander being like, well, here's your linear career that you're going to go execute. And I just go, well, that is when my kid is going to enter middle school. And that's when they're going to try out for travel baseball. And that's when they're going to try out for this team and when they want to do any of this stuff. And I was just like, not, nah, that's not for that's not for the McVeigh family, uh, and that's the that's the point of the article is just try to get that uh, on the same assumptions and be like, hey man, it's not anything the Air Force is doing. You cannot control what society is doing and stop trying. Just understand what's going on. So long answer. I apologize, but that was the that's really the whole article. Uh, but it was cool to get it published. It was very therapeutic for me at the time uh, to determine that I wasn't batshit crazy. Um, and it's like, of like, why would I not want to stay in the active duty air force and like go do cool things? And it's like, Oh, cause I can go to the reserves and do cool things. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great article and that's, I mean, for me, that was the, the, the calculus was there. It's like, I know it's going to be school staff, be a DO, be a commander back to school staff. And you're like, all right, it's going to be five schools in the next like eight years, nine years for, you know, my kiddo, like that's to me, that's just not fair. Like flying fighters is awesome. The air force is imperfect. I think we all might agree on that. And there's a few frustrations, but at the end of the day, like I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed being around the people. I enjoyed the mission. I enjoyed, I mean, flying fast jets and like solving complex problems is fun. And all the BS that we usually bitch and moan about is outweighed by that. But the fact that at the end of the day, you're like, it's not about money. At least for me, it wasn't about money. I thought it was paid. Well, it's just like, I, I have no control over my life, but it's, and I know I'm going to be moving around, but the bad deal is I'm jerking around my family too, who now is they're victims in this and it could work out really good. Or if you get on the bad deal train, like good luck. Uh, it sucks for you and your entire family, but digress. What's, what's this? What's I'll go with. What's up? And that's, and that's, and just like what you're kind of saying is just like, it is very fun to uh to have bgcs about the air force and like yeah <laughs> talk about all, like i mean yeah we can sit around and talk about the great things i love the air force the air force uh i talk about all the time the air force has been very good to the mcveigh family like my my dad my dad has a saying he goes the next tuition check i write will be the first tuition check i ever write and he's just like so it's yeah. been very good to the mcveigh family and i really enjoy being in the air force. In fact, I enjoy it too much. Just ask my wife. And it's just like, like, I like to work for this organization 
Um, and I wanted to keep doing it. It was just one of those things where it's like, I had to find my way that still met my like personal values and priorities to still be able to do the things that I want to. Uh, and I was going to go to Hill Air Force Base anyways, uh, whether it was active duty or in the reserves, uh, as long as the snakes hired me, of course, which they did. And I was very lucky and blessed to have that happen. I was like, but it's just, it was just one of those things where, uh, I love this job. I love what, what we do. Nobody actually hates the Air Force in all reality. Nobody right. hates it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's just you just got to find a way, and that's just what's happening now, and you just see it. Like we're talking 20% retention rates of the active duty, and it's like the data is right there. You got to figure out what the purpose, what the reason behind that data is, and I just have not quite put my finger on it that we can't see data, work with data, change policy i don't i haven't quite seen that why we can't do that on a rapid pace yet um but yeah I, i'm willing to help uh, and if writing articles is the way that i can do it then that's what i'll do what are you guys seeing now uh i mean th- this is like the it's the the horse that just keeps getting beat here it's like the same thing and this this has been echoed from what it was like 2015 2016 like when they started doing the fighter pilot crisis task force going around to the bases talking to guys this is the same information this is the same data more or less has been being presented but nothing seems like it's changing are you guys seeing any kind of changes i the the only thing i'll say that you guys have heard me talk a little bit i kind of want to hear what bender has to say about the subject but at some point a crisis starts becoming the norm and so generally, if there's a crisis, like a natural disaster, we throw a massive amount of resources and, and man, like massive amount of resources and manpower at the problem to fix it as fast as humanly possible. And so when you have a crisis that lasts literally before my Air Force career started and is currently ongoing, it's not a crisis anymore. It's just the norm. And you have chosen not to fix it. And so that's that's my take on it. <laughs> it's like you still have. I think they actually did change the name. It's not the Air Crew Crisis Task Force anymore. Right. I don't even know if it was ever the Air Crew Crisis Task Force, uh, but it, like numerous articles called it a crisis. But they called it a crisis for literally 13 years. And it's like, yeah, it's not a crisis anymore, dude. It's just a problem you've elected not to fix. Bender, what do you think? No, I totally agree with that. And that's one of my. Uh, I'll try not to get too salty, but one of my beefs with the organization Salt's is always wo- the willingness. Salty, salty's yeah, welcome. It is. And I always say I'm not going to get salty. Then. Here we go. But there's <laughs> just there's just so – it just feels a lot like there's not really accountability. Like we don't really care. We say like we can't lose these spider pilots. Like we spend all these millions of dollars on their training. We need all the experience that they have. But they don't – no one really cares because they don't need to care right now. Like there's no there's no fight that's happening where – were required at this moment in time but they all do recognize that like losing all of this experience it is it costs us a great deal as far as mission capabilities go we just don't we're not paying that bill yet so they're just like passing the bill off they'll pass the bill off for who knows how long probably forever honestly so i think like just like flash is saying it's been a crisis for 13 years because the bills never really come due yet but it'll come due at some point uh, or it could and then, you know, bad things happen when that's 
we face the the reality of it. Uh, so who knows? I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, there's just so much in the air force. I, I, I'm like flash. I love, I love looking back and like seeing all the cool things I've done. My family has loved it. We've been awesome places. Um, so, and, and then that's why we're having this podcast. That's why flash does a lot of the extra curricular stuff that he does, like writes articles or mentors, new pilots is because we all care deeply about the institution. And we care deeply about being like the best fighter pilots that there is on this planet and that there will ever be on this planet. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not ready to give up the real fight, but we are ready to give up all the crap that just kind of, that kind of comes with it. That isn't really that important, but that costs us so much in time and resources and family, uh, capital, all that stuff. So we could talk about this forever. Uh, Oh, oh yeah. And like that, if, and it, you see it, the, like the last, uh, it's not the last one because it talks about me drinking in the bar after I go fly. But like in the, there's the art in the article, I said, what if I told you, uh, uh, and I have, I, I like to do this sometimes where it's just like, maybe I, I like to try to convince people and sell people on something that even I don't believe. Uh, it's a nice little brain exercise to try sometimes, but like, uh, try to like, I've, I have been able to argue that the fighter pilot shortage is not real. And it's a Fugazi. And it's just like, uh, the, uh, but it is real by the way. Uh, it's like, we can't fill staff in, uh, UPT positions. Like that's, that's a fact. It's just like now, whether those should be fighter pilot 11 F, uh, positions at UPT should staff, maybe not. Um, but the real answer is because we haven't gotten smart with our policies and, and efficiencies with the technology advances that we have is now you're not utilizing the people that you do have like reservists. It takes an act of an act of Congress to become a commander and it takes like to transition statuses and things like that you just don't get paid for a month. Then all these different and all these different things of like virtual staff has been proven that it's a beautiful thing. And you got a ton of people that would sit on ACC staff from Nellis air force base uh, and all these different things that we just haven't, we've done on like on trial, like pilot program stuff. Um, but we haven't implemented as, as norm, uh, that just needs to happen. But anyways, just like Bender said, you could, you could go all day, uh, on, on stuff like this and there will, there will be a time for, there, there absolutely are solutions to it. And I want, and we want to be a part of them. Um, it's just, if you're willing to listen and, take solutions uh from a major who elected majors who elected to go do something else uh which also seems to be a a small problem uh with people these days you wonder i i wonder you know it's a cultural shift right and this doesn't happen overnight but you know we've name dropped maestro on the podcast i think we had you know, a lot of uh, really good things to say about Maestro. And I saw, you know, what he did. We, we went to the flying hour program. Like, one of the first things I had him in the backseat doing the demo and talked to him specifically about that because just saw what it was as a grind at Shaw where no one else before would say, hey, no, we can't do this. This is literally breaking our jets. It's breaking our pilots. It's breaking our maintainers. This does not make sense just to fly to fly. And you're, lo- yeah, that's a whole other story in itself. But I hope that enough guys trickle up. The piece you kind of brought was interesting, like for a reservist to be a commander. I'm curious, like in my year group, 07 year group, I think there were like 16-ish Viper drivers, most of which were FAPES. There's like 
two or three guys like straight out of pilot training. And I want to say there's like two guys still in active duty from my year group. And I don't know what that pool should have been, but it probably should have been 60, 70, 80 guys in order to fill enough billets later on down the road as commanders, group commanders, et cetera. Like you got to plan for the whole thing. And so I, that thing, that bill has not come due yet, or it's coming due right now. So I'm curious to see what, how that plays out. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is like you, and this is, by the way, as it currently stands, just like we talked about, if you stay, if you stay in, just like we're kind of talking about it, like <laughs> I have high, yeah. I have a mat, a massively high threshold uh, for leadership. And if you're put in a position of leadership, then you need to be one. Um, and it's just like, so if you stay in, that's kind of what you're getting is like, you just, yeah. like, even if you didn't want that position, like, it's just like, Hey man, we, we need you. And it's just like, and we're going to put people in positions. It's like putting in the, the fifth string quarterback, uh, like at the, like in an NFL game. And you're just like, okay, this is going to go as well as we thought. And it's just like, <laughs> it's no fault on those guys. Like it's no fault right. on those guys. Like it's not, it's not their fault. Um, and, and things of that nature, but it's like, but in the, in the snakes, like I am middle of the road. Like you got 10 guys to my left and right that were all told they were going to be commanders if they stayed in the active duty. And it's just like, so you're just like, okay. Um, what did you, what did they do instead if it wasn't you? And you just ask that question you just go, okay, then that's what we kind of have. And whether everyone was going to be a fighter squadron commander or an OSS commander or go back and be a UPT squadron commander, like you, you need those guys in the active duty. And we just got to find ways to either keep them in the active duty. Uh, Cause I'm a huge fan of keeping people in the active duty, or if they elect to go to the reserves, let them go do things that would benefit the active duty without getting some of this like random red tape bureaucracy in the way, just pick the best human for the job, just like you do in the real world. Strange concept there. Strange. It's weird. I don't think anyone's ever done. <laughs> it's impossible to do. Um, so I don't. An, I don't know what you're talking. Unproven. Unproven. Yeah. Unproven. So, except, <laughs> I think like, except like I think I think when I worked at Ace Hardware when I was 16, like they picked the best cashier <laughs> and made him the shift lead, and it wasn't me, but it's like he was the shift lead. Now it's like, oh, Ace Hardware figured it. Strange. How can we not do that? Man, you, it's such, there's so much red tape. I think it goes back. We, we do like, you want to make this better. I don't think any other organization where you're like, Hey, I'm not really, I mean, me really, like I'm on the outside, outsider looking in, but you care about it. Right. If I had to go do it again, I would go do it again. It afforded me a lot of opportunities, met a lot of great people, a lot, a lot of cool things, right. I would do it again. There are things that could do better and you want it to do better. And you're just like, ah, come on. Like for me, Again, jump back. It's like, if you did something hybrid, like, all right, hey, look, you guys don't mind South Carolina. You can stay there for eight years. You might have to go deploy, do something, but your family can be put, stay put, have the same house, same schools, yada, yada, yada. Like, all right, that's like a decent COA. Like, that probably would have worked out. But that's impossible. Like, you can't do that. Like, that's, uh, like, you must move. Like, we can't have you stay yeah. in here. It, it is difficult, and no one's choosing Kunsan. Just, yeah, strange. It's like no one's strange. Like, you know what? You know where I want to put down roots? Goonsan. That's where I want it. Mm. That's right. That's 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 what I want to do. But I don't know. It is. They are hard problems to to address. And I know, like, 
we're we're talking about this stuff it's like oh man we can't get this right i also do just want to throw a quick plug in on the on the whole thing i'm also the same guy that when somebody in the bar says that we're going to lose the next fight i was like i don't believe that actually like i still think it's like yeah there's a ton of things that i wish we would that we had uh materially and leadership wise and policy wise and all this stuff and we could bitch about that uh till the sun comes up here in utah tomorrow i was like but i i don't i don't subscribe to the fact that because of this that we are just destined to lose in the event that somebody wants to pick a fight with the u.s with the u.s uh i think it's gonna be difficult and i talked about it it was like it might look weird and look pretty bad i was like but i'm still a kind of an optimist on on how this would go because of the guys that elect to stay in like i know that bender and probably you rain like even today if somebody was like mm. i bet you can figure out how to start a viper like if they if, 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 it, if it was a viper was, only if, if viper only it was like if it was required like like Bender, Bender would show up to work at, at the Snakes uh, full time, <laughs> which he right. is. But uh, but like we would, everyone would do it in the event that you and we would all do it. And just like Bender was talking about, I think the United States still does have the best fighter pilots in the world, and we can bitch about policies and stuff like that. But it's still a pretty good place to uh, uh, to be and things of that nature. But. 100%. It could it could it could devolve into not being the case in the event that we don't fix some of this stuff like in the next two to three years. You, interesting point. So my job now in the reserves slightly different than what you guys are doing, but we did a, a an exercise like two months ago, and they're walking through the timeline of like how things are going to get executed, yada yada yada. But one part is activating a bunch of people, of people who have retired, and pulling them out. And yeah, the timeline this is like you know zero to day five. In which I chuckled, right? Because it takes me five days to even like log in and get orders. So I'm like, one, you're going to find these 1500 retirees that God knows where they are, you know, good luck trying to find them. But I do say, I was like, the the piece of it is like, all right, I'm not going to be able to get orders. No one's going to be able to get orders. No one's going to get paid for weeks on end. And there's gonna be all these frustrations we always complain about. But in the end, dudes will step up to get the job done because, care about this country, care about the people that are beside you and want, want to win. So like, you can't change that, which I don't think everyone in the world now they get to travel around and see some, some interesting places. That's not, that is not a given, but to that point, like it's would be nice. if We could just fix a few things like the easy ones, the easy ones. Like there are some very easy fixes you could do like that would, that would do it. But it turns out with all the different like business things I got going on such like, I don't know, I have like six different email accounts on my phone, some of which require authentication applications, yada, yada, yada. But like everyone else can figure this out, but God forbid if we try to figure this out at the DOD, but again, I digress. Got a little salt here and there. Sipper token for for my friend yesterday. Sipper token for my buddy yesterday was, uh, was an adventure. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. How long did that take? (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I won't say what they ended up doing because I don't want anyone to get in trouble, but, uh, the, uh, but solve like, problems. <laughs> it was just like, Hey, to do this the right way, you were, you were called out here to be on TDY to solve a problem for us to do this the right way. The purpose of you coming out here will be moot. And he was yeah. like, all right, well, we can't do that. So let's figure out a different way. And they did because that's how you would win. Cause that's why we're going to win. Yeah. 
Vinder made the point is a uh, several episodes. I mean, I remember the first bro chat we did, but it was like it gets done on the backs of dudes and dudettes in the squadron who want to win. Like ultimately, you're not just gonna let it fail. That's not in the mentality, which it shouldn't have to be that way every single time. It feels like. Yeah, and I wonder if the gap it feels just like the gap is getting bigger between the organizations in the Air Force that do that they get it done, they make it happen. Uh, and then the rest that, I mean, you're just lugging, you know, there's 5% of the air force that is just carrying the rest, the 95% on their back, you know, <laughs> it's getting heavier and heavier. It just seems like that. And maybe, maybe that's inaccurate, but like just the it, we, I mean, we talked about how long it takes to log in, but this morning, like I tried to print something, I mapped three freaking printers, which mapping a printer on a nipper computer is like getting a freaking computer programming degree at MIT is what it feels like to me. I'm not like super smart. But and it never worked, and none of them ever yeah. printed the freaking sheet of paper that I was trying to print. You know, like two hours later, so I've just wasted so much of my time just trying to print a, a sheet of paper. It's mind-boggling that we can't figure that kind of stuff out. And that's just like the little—that's a pretty little part of it, you know. But if if a comm squadron, and I don't, maybe there are comm squadrons out there that that can rage and make it happen. But if a comm squadron could make it happen the way a mobility squadron makes it happen or a tanker squadron makes it happen. Like we would be, we'd be so much more functional, higher functioning as an organization. I think probably that too. If you guys remember when I was casual at Moody, we had a comm dude in the squadron and it was about four months into my casual. They pulled him to the group. And then about you know six months later, they pulled him to the wing. And that was the Air Force's transition period where yeah, you used to have admin in the squadron, someone who spoke finance, someone who did comm. So if you had an issue, they could come fix it versus now you put in a ticket, they show up when you're flying, and they go back to their office and say, ticket closed. And you're like, nothing was fixed. <laughs> and wait three more weeks. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> flash is still there vader we didn't mention it like vader peeled out a long time ago he just hubcapped and he was gone but i think probably as we like wrap up flash you so you're gonna write another article you said that's in the queue yeah um i am i am going to uh because uh one because in the first one i said i was going to uh but but yeah there you go but no the uh I am. Uh, this one's going to focus on, it's going to focus on solutions, uh, hopefully. Um, and a lot of them was, uh, the, the rough drafts, uh, I'm, I wasn't happy. I'm not very happy with the rough draft, which is why I haven't, uh, sent it in, but it kind of, uh, it starts, let me paint a picture for you guys. Um, but it I starts like where I was just like, uh, so there I was in the bar and we fixed, we literally fixed all the problems in the air force and we wrote none of them down and it was just like <laughs> and uh uh which has never been talked about in the history of any of any fighter pilot um but in all reality uh there i started writing them down so they're not my solutions they are a combination and a collection now flash froze. Pe- <laughs> oh oh I, I freeze am i am i back 
Oh, you're back now. I was like, man, this it's cliff. Yeah, look at it it's slowly peeling out here, man. You're back. We're back. Uh, but yeah, so it's a collection of solutions from a bunch of different people. Um, some are mine, most are not. Uh, but it's just like, <laughs> it's like, hey guys, like guys, just like, man, what if what if we just did this? And it's like, yeah, that would probably work. And it was just like, write that down. And so I carried around like a little notebook, and I was just like, hey, if a good idea personnel policy like personnel management policy i got towards the end of my time in the six i didn't i had a whole lot of time in my hands uh so i was like kind of walking around not doing a whole lot uh so i just talked to people um which i'm sure didn't annoy anyone but uh the <laughs> as far as as far as how that was going was as my family already lived in utah um, but what, it, what that afforded was the fact that we, when we were sitting there, I got pretty passionate about these personnel management policies. And if anybody was like bitching about all, any of it, it was like, I would stay in the air force if I could map a nipper printer. <laughs> it's like, I will write that down. And it's just like, and okay. <laughs> okay. And, and, uh, so yeah, so the second article and I am going to write it and this will probably give me a little bit of motivation. I really appreciate you guys bringing me on. This has been awesome. Uh, a little bit of motivation to do it. Uh, it's going to focus on solutions. And like I said, a lot of them are not mine, uh, but it's just a collection of them on if this small thing that is within our power, every single solution that uh, is in the rough draft of the article is something that can be affected at the MagCom level or below. It generally doesn't involve a whole lot of congressional. Cause like, if you have to go to Congress to change it, then that kind of sucks. Um, yep. but you could do it within big air force, like half and Africa together, uh, to kind of change that stuff. There would be some massaging of like the title 10, title 32, title 50 type stuff. Um, but it's within the realm of possibilities and, uh, all of it is stuff that can be done and that's what it's going to focus on. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'd give it three months. I'll do it in three months. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, you said it now. It's like etched in stone. So yeah, now I got to do yeah. that. I'm gonna write that down. I got. Uh, let's call it. Uh, let's call it February first. But hack. <laughs> one year from the last one, so that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, dudes, what else? You got anything else before we wrap up here? Flash is awesome, man. Having you on here, this is good. You know, have like have a pro. Talking about some complex things. Well, no, the whole the whole thing is like I, man, I, you guys are pros, man. I like I said, I I I can't tell you how uh, honored I was when Bender was just like uh, was talking about it and was like, we'd love to have you on. I just got, I I love I love this. I, I love the fact that you're doing this, Rain. Uh, like you're like you guys were super cool guys. I loved flying with at Shaw and being around and like that makeshift gambler building, uh, that we kind of lived in for a, hot, <laughs> for, a, for a hot minute. Um, so like seeing, seeing rain, no like, uh, do, like commanding the demo team and all that stuff and what went into that. And then flying with Bender is just a, a damn good instructor. And now getting to be out here and then being on the podcast with you guys and uh, seeing Vader again, it's been, it's been, it's been cool. Uh, so just, I appreciate the opportunity uh and yeah uh experiences and opportunities in the air force have been good to me uh so i, I appreciate you uh allowing me uh, a forum to share Dude, yeah this is fun i mean it's kind of rude on vader just to like completely bounce out of here without even saying goodbye to anyone but he sent me a text yeah, what a, you know. pretty salty what text. A jerk. <laughs> yeah <laughs> again like this riverside's like a 95 percent solution so you know yeah 
It's like someone from the Air Force IT system might have developed it. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. I, I was saying, it was like, it's like, I was looking at it. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the Pat McAfee show, but it was like every single time somebody comes on, it's like, Rain, Rain, you look and sound amazing. <laughs> Like this is like this is this is this is the way to do it, and I was like I sat here and when I, when you popped up, I was just like, oh, I might need to build a studio. It's like I need, uh, I need this. this is awesome. You guys, you guys look amazing. I couldn't get my headphones figured out, so you probably got a lot of background noise and echo with mine. But uh, but no, this, this is great. And I, Rain, you're killing it, man. I I, I listened to a bunch of podcasts. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.